Serving the people of the Hudson Valley, St. Luke's Cornwall Hospital proudly presents another edition of Doc Talk. Here's Melanie Cole. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, as many as 29 million people in the United States have diabetes, but up to 8 million may be undiagnosed and unaware of their condition. The diabetes self-management program offered by St. Luke's Cornwall Hospital empowers patients to understand and live with the disease. While careful monitoring and certain adjustments are necessary, many people lead full and active lifestyles, even with diabetes. Here to tell us about living with and managing diabetes is Dorothea Lever, Ph.D. She's the coordinator of the Diabetes Self-Management Program at St. Luke's Cornwall Hospital. Welcome to the show, Dr. Lever. So what is type 2 diabetes? Good morning, Melanie. Thank you for having us. Um, Type 2 diabetes is a condition that historically occurred in um, older people. Now we're seeing it more and more in the younger population because one of the primary risk factors for type 2 diabetes is being overweight. And as you know, that's kind of like an epidemic in our country. And so we're seeing more and more younger people with type 2 diabetes. But what it is, is the patient has difficulty using their insulin. So their cells are resistant to insulin so that they're not using their insulin the way they should be. The insulin is the hormone in our body that we use to metabolize carbohydrates. So ultimately what happens is the patient develops a high blood sugar and that in a nutshell is what type 2 diabetes is. Who would be at risk for this type of diabetes? Historically, we've seen it mostly in people as they age. One of the reasons that it's in epidemic proportions is, thank goodness, we're living longer. But along with it, we see a higher incidence of um, type 2 diabetes in the country. So older, the older you get, the more likely you are to develop type 2 diabetes. Um, people that are overweight, the more fat cells that you have, the more likely you are to develop type 2 diabetes. It goes along with certain ethnic populations so that Hispanic population, an American Indian population in our country, and the black population in our country has a higher incidence. Typically, we see a higher incidence around the age of 50 in women, higher incidence in women than we do in men. Men usually develop at a later age. So let's talk about symptoms a little bit. How would somebody even know? Are there some symptoms, some signs, red flags that would even send them to the doctor? And then how is it diagnosed? There are some symptoms. Typically, though, people with type 2 diabetes, the onset is gradual. So a lot of times it's not recognized. But what we see, typical signs and symptoms of diabetes are um, frequent urination, um, Thirst, patient gets very, very thirsty. I'll have patients tell me that they just can't stop drinking. They feel like they can um, drink a pool. I've had one, I had one patient tell me that um, he felt like he could take a straw in a swimming pool and drink the whole pool. Very, very thirsty. Um, fatigue, particularly after meals. Um, blurred vision. Um, and sometimes people feel hungry because they're not using their carbohydrates the way they should be. So um, they crave um, food. They crave sweets. They want they they feel like they're not satisfied. So those are the typical signs and symptoms that we see in people with type two and type one diabetes. As a matter of fact. So if somebody comes to you with some of those complaints, then what tests do you use to figure out this is what's going on? Okay. Well, we use two tests. 
primarily. The first is a fasting blood sugar. Um, Fasting blood sugars are typically done with chemistries when um, the nurse practitioner or the physician orders blood chemistries for patients. And um, an elevated blood sugar, that blood sugar is considered elevated if it's more than 100 fasting, um, and it would be looked into further. Um, the other um, test that we use is something called a hemoglobin A1C. Hemoglobin A1C is really a three-month average of your blood sugar. So if you're provider looks at both the hemoglobin A1C and sees that it's elevated or the fasting. Now, some people are okay with their fasting, but when they're challenged with carbohydrates. So it may not show up in your fasting blood sugar, but looking at them both will tell the provider whether or not um, the blood sugar has gone up at any time. So in other words, you're getting kind of like a multidimensional look at what the blood sugar looks like over that three-month period. So, Dr. Lever, what is the most important bit of information you tell somebody if they've been told that they have prediabetes or full-blown diabetes? Well, prediabetes, prediabetes, what it is is um, the patient has challenge with carbohydrates. They're not able to metabolize carbohydrates the way they should. So we see a slight elevation in blood sugar. Now, diabetes itself would be diagnosed with a fasting blood sugar of 127 or greater. And I just said that um, a blood sugar of more than 100 is um, considered an, an issue. So what pre-diabetes is, that's part, that, that um, so th- those sugars that are falling somewhere between 111 and 126. So if I have a fasting blood sugar of 111 to 126, what that means is, that I have a diagnosis of pre-diabetes. Now, they, it would be looked into further, but pre-diabetes, um, we didn't know until uh, probably like 10 years ago. We, we thought maybe, but we weren't absolutely positive that we could prevent type 2 diabetes from happening or if not prevented completely, postpone it until the patient's well, um, well into their 70s, their 80s, the, the longer we can postpone diabetes, the less likely the patient is to develop complications, which is the biggest problem that comes from diabetes. I always tell patients that um, diabetes is a pain in the neck because you have to exercise and you have to eat right the way we're all supposed to be doing, but the biggest problem with diabetes is the complications. And if we can get people to be chemically like people that don't have diabetes, they're less likely to develop the complications. So um, with pre-diabetes, the goal is either to prevent it from happening completely or postpone the onset of it. And we can do that with diet and exercise. The research shows that um, diet and exercise lifestyle changes are effective in delaying or preventing the onset of type 2. So we, we're we going to be beginning, the, the CDC actually put out a diabetes prevention program that is kind of like the model for helping people to prevent diabetes, people that have been diagnosed with prediabetes or to be at high risk for type 2 diabetes. And um, we're going to be starting that at St. Luke um, close to the new year. Um, We haven't gotten um, a start date, a positive start date as yet, but we're going to be starting that. So if anybody's interested in that program, please feel free to call me in the office and I'll uh, explain it further. 
So speak about some of the other resources available at St. Luke's Cornwall Hospital to learn how to manage your diabetes once you've been diagnosed. And and tell us a little bit about the importance of follow-up after taking any classes and educational seminars to maintaining that contact with the diabetes educators. Okay, absolutely. Well, we, we have, the program that we have at St. Luke's is an eight-hour program, and it's recognized by the American Diabetes Association, meaning that... Um, it meets all of the standards, all of the criteria for sustenance and um, the curriculum requirements. Um, and we've been running it since the end of the 90s. And um, what it is, it's, our program is eight hours in length. Um, typically, programs are somewhere between eight to ten hours in length. And they're usually group, they, they, they're group programs for the most part. Um, we do see patients individually an hour um, usually before they begin their program. And the program um, talks about what, what is diabetes, what's the difference between type 1 and type 2, what are the complications of diabetes, um, who gets diabetes, um, how do we treat it, how do we prevent the complications. Um, I, I'm a nurse, and I do, I do the complication component of it and the, the pathophysiology. We also have, it's multidisciplinary, meaning that we have other um, people taking part of it, other disciplines taking part of it in it. Um, a pharmacist talks about medication and diabetes, what are the types of medications that we use to treat diabetes. We have a social worker who talks about stress and diabetes and family support. The physical therapist talks about exercise and what does exercise do to control diabetes, what does it do to prevent diabetes, and, of course, the dietitian talks about carb counting and how do we use diet to control diabetes. That program is usually requires referral, and physicians or nurse practitioners refer patients if they're newly diagnosed, if they've had a change in their treatment regimen, meaning they weren't on medications and now they are, or if they've had a change in their hemoglobin A1C that would cause them to um, come back to the program. So th- that would be why somebody would go to an eight-hour program. Once they've gone to the eight-hour program, it's recognized, research shows that people need to have reinforcement afterwards. So um, most of the insurances will pay for patients to come back for two follow-up visits a year with the certified diabetes educators that we have at St. Luke's. A lot of insurances will also pay for two hours of what's called medical nutrition therapy. So if a patient identifies that they're just fine with um, all of the other aspects of their diabetes care, but they need to have reinforcement about their diet or that they're slipping somehow in their diet or they covered another food allergy or something like that, they might go to choose to use their follow-up for um, medical nutrition therapy. Now, at St. Luke's, I said that we have those the eight-hour program. We do it in two ways. We, do it, we can do it all in one day, and we do schedule some programs throughout the year that are eight hours in length, and people come in for the full eight hours. We also do four-hour four blocks, and we have two, actually three certified diabetes educators at St. Luke's. One is one of our dietitians, and the other two, myself and um, a nurse, and um, we do office hours as well. So patients can call and, you know, make special arrangements to come in during office hours throughout the year. So if someone is living with diabetes, whom should they ask for help in regards to insurance and Medicare for this nutritional counseling, these programs and the follow-up? Who can help them sort of weave through that, that web? Okay. Well, at St. Luke's, we have, we have what's called our pre-access uh, department. And 
as soon as a patient's been referred to the program, typically they either call us and we refer them to pre-access or they're, they're re- referred right away to pre-access. And pre- what pre-access does, our pre-access services, what they do is they um, first they look and see what the, the prescriber's written, you know, what their, what their um, prescription is for, and then they talk to the patient about whether or not the ins- it's a covered service. They check with the patient's insurer, and they, they look to see, is it covered for the patient? Is there a copay? You know, whatever needs to be done, what needs to be in place so that the patient, they, they can establish whether the patient is a covered service for the patient. So in summary, Dr. Lever, what would you like people to know about diabetes and living with and managing those symptoms? Well, diabetes is, a, like I said, it's a disorder that has an effect on blood sugar. And diabetes is as I said before, it's a pain in the neck because you have to diet and you have to exercise, things that we all have to do that we should be doing. But um, the biggest problems are the complications. And I know that when patients know how to take care of their diabetes, they do well. I, we've had great, great success stories. So the more you know, the better off you are in managing it. Diabetes, thank goodness, is a, is a disorder that can be self-managed. Patients are in charge of their diabetes. It's not a disorder that 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 you have to rely on uh, others to manage for you. This is something that you take charge of, and you're if you know what you're doing, or you bring yourself to the point where you you know what you're doing, and you're able to identify what's going to increase your blood sugar, what's going to decrease your blood sugar, and how you can best manage it, how you can take diabetes and put it in the cadence in your life. You're you're going to be way way ahead. Thank you so much, Dr. Lever, for being with us today. It's great information. This is Doc Talk presented by St. Luke's Cornwall Hospital. For more information, please visit stlukescornwallhospital.org. That's stlukescornwallhospital.org. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.